podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by Jeremy J. and Phoenix. I'm in the building. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. You are now tuned into the Raspy Voice Kids podcast, and we are present for pop culture. Pop, 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 pop. Or in this case, it might be pop, 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 pop. Because we're talking about people who don't flush the toilet. Now, we've touched on toilet flushing before. We talked about the amount of bacteria that gets spread by not putting the seat cover on. When you flush the toilet. Today, we're talking about people who just simply and purposely do not flush the toilet. Jeremy, have you ever experienced somebody uh, maybe in a rooming situation, maybe at a school situation, possibly at work, that just did not flush the toilet? Yeah, no, I know. I've, I've known a few people. Now, I might say they do it every single time, but, you know, you go in behind somebody and they haven't flushed. All right. So if you're just if you're just peeing, first of all, you still flush. But if you're peeing and I'm still going to be annoyed if I walk in and see it. But I have a little bit more forgiveness if you peed and didn't flush. I'll hit the flush real quick. But if you have to poop and you leave it in the bathroom, there is no excuse that you can make for it. You know? Yeah, no. I, I, <laughs> the funny thing about the pee, you saying that you should still flush is my kids have a hippie grandmother. Not our mother, but their other grandmother. And that's okay. Everybody's got the right to be the way they are. Cool for them. Good for them. But she has a stance on number one. If you go number one, you don't flush your toilet. She likes to conserve water. So guess what they do when they come back home? They don't flush the toilet. They don't flush the toilet. It's hard to break that habit. And I've just let it go. It's something I've just become accustomed to. But I do often wonder or worry, what happens if I show up at someone else's house and they just not flush the toilet still? Yeah, you, I'm, like I said, peeing is a little bit more, uh, uh, you can forgive it more. I see that more often. But if you're at work and you go to the work bathroom and somebody hasn't flushed, I don't care where it is. That is just as nasty and filthy. I mean, there is no excuse ever, ever, not one excuse you can give me for going poop and not flushing the toilet. I don't even understand why this is a discussion. And it's a discussion because some nasty people do it. But I just, it doesn't compute in my mind. It doesn't make sense. So you're telling me you've never forgotten to flush the toilet? I've forgotten, but not when I'm with other people. Like, I'm not not when somebody can come after me. Like, if I'm in my own house, maybe I forget, you know, I'm not saying it happens regularly, but that's different than being in the same, you know, occupying the same spot, being, you know, at work. Uh, it's just, ah, man, no forgiveness for that. No forgiveness for that. Especially because well, what, of- you, what you can see, you can never unsee. I mean, disgusting. You can never unsee. Ever unsee. And what's done oftentimes is done on purpose, if you ask me. Like, one of the things that's interesting is I was reading this article on health on health.com, and it was talking about these bathroom culprits, people who just do nasty things and basically do them on purpose. One guy said he went around taking pictures of everybody's shoes underneath the stall to make sure that he could match up who was not flushing the toilet. <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious, but also illegal. But he went around doing that, trying to match up who was not flushing the toilet. Then they had somebody that actually pooped in a bag and threw it in the trash can, Jeremy. No, can you I mean, imagine? I don't even know how you get the... 
I mean, what, what is the point of that other than try, I mean, unless you're trying to pull some kind of prank, that is so exactly. much work. They, you know, <laughs> so much work. Oh, so much my goodness. So many opportunities for just a mess on your own hands, literally and figuratively. And it reminds me of the of the Michael Scott prank when somebody pooped in his office. Remember that? Yeah. And they had to take up the carpet. He said, this is a hate crime. They said, that's not what a hate crime is. Well, I hated it. Yeah. No. I, but, you know, especially if we're talking about like in office, you know, if you're working with people, there's all kinds of things people do that just don't make no sense. Like we got like we got a, a, a place where you can cook, you know, a microwave. Many times people look if you if you're making something and it's dirtying up the microwave, clean it out real quick after you're done. There's a that, that five uh, gallon water jug. When if you're the last person to empty out the water jug, take yourself over and refill it. On top of that, you would never catch. Go ahead. ahead. On top of that, what? No, on top of that, the other day I went in there and and I saw it was empty. And I kind of rolled my eyes like, who just left it here? And I go pick it up. And it's weird, like awkwardly came out. Look underneath. Somebody had broke the little nozzle. Where where you? (laughs) And look, look, that's broken plastic. I can feel. I look. I'm not that strong to just break plastic like that. Just pick it up. Somebody broke it, then put it back and, and left the premises. People Guess are ridiculous. You will, doing. you will never catch me doing in your life. What you you'll never catch me drinking the last drop out of the water that out of the gallon jug, the big jug. I always I always purposely and very carefully select when I drink from that jug and when I go ahead and just get it from the machine. I make my choices, and my choice is to not ever have to replace that thing. So I'm just very strategic about mine. Very lazy with choice, because it takes two seconds to grab the big old jug and put it back down on there. I'm just saying, it's ridiculous. If you're going to take the last drop, and that's fine. You don't want to take the last drop? That's fine. That's up to you. But if you do decide to take that last drop, don't just try to mosey on out there looking over your shoulder to see if anybody saw you and keep it moving. You know that's what they're doing, too. Well, that's how we feel, basically, about etiquette in the workplace. Talking about using the restroom, of course, that was a primary thing because it's disgusting when you don't flush the toilet. You should always flush your toilet, even if you make sure the lid's down. But just general etiquette in the kitchenette when it comes to the water or the microwave, like Pam Beasley so eloquently stated in her note, somebody needs to clean it. It's a mess for everyone. Do your job. Well, tell the Raspy Voice kids what it is you think and how you feel about what we just talked about. Raspy Voice! Do you have cold floors in your home? It may be time to insulate your crawl space because cold air is rising into the rest of your home. Alfred Home Solutions can fix this problem. Call them today at 304-317-4105 today to book your free insulation estimate. Again, 304-317-4105. Don't wait. Insulate. It is that time again. It's your friends, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt and Jeremy J.N. Phoenix. Yep, yep, let's go. We are back for five on it. I got five on it. Jordan, let's go. Hello once again, RVK fans, and welcome back to another segment of I Got Five on It. I'm your host for this segment, Jordan Tykeri, and let's get things started with the first blank. Blank will be WVU's offensive MVP. Letty Brown, the baddest man in Morgantown, will be West Virginia University's football team's offensive MVP. He's going to build on the season he had last year. The offensive line will be retooled and and much better. Letty Brown will possibly lead the Big 12 in rushing, 
he will be the MVP for the offense for this coming season. I think it's easy. Um, usually an offensive MVP usually is the quarterback because they're, you know, they have the ball in their hand every single play. Um, that's who you rely on. But I got to go with you, man. I think Letty Brown is going to show up and show out. I think this offensive line is going to be uh, way more gelled, way more matured, and they're going to use him like a workhorse. Um, he has some people to spell him at times, but I think they're going to let him catch the ball a little bit more out of the backfield. Um, and I do. I think our receiving group is going to be much, much, much improved um, to help move the ball. But still, I think we're going to primarily rely on the legs of that bad man, Letty. Number two, Blank will be WVU's defensive MVP. It's a repeat of sorts. This year, Dante Stills will be the best and most valuable defensive player for West Virginia University. Dante Stills has, I won't say underachieved, but he's not reached his potential yet in the gold and blue. This year, I think he does that. He takes his next step. He follows his brother's cues. He makes the most of all of his talent, his coaching, and his ability. And he is the MVP for the defense for WVU. Now, see, I'm surprised because you said it's going to be a repeat. So I thought you were going to say of sorts because you, you were talking about, um, I, I thought you were going to say like Tony Fields was the man all over the field last year for us who really could have probably, and I thought that you were ha- you were kind of leaning towards the person I was going to pick, Josh Chandler Samito. Playing the same exact position as Tony Fields, um, just because you're in the mix, you're in the middle of it all. You have a little bit of mix, run help, run support, uh, pass support, um, just everything. You're right there in the middle of the field to be able to make those type of plays. I think Josh Chandler Smita will be our uh, most important player on the field this year on defense. Number three, West Virginia not being ranked in the top forty-five is blank. I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to underrate us, even though I think we'll be better than 45. I think it makes sense for the national media, the coaches, the other people picking and ranking to say we're not in the top 45 at this point. I don't think Jared Dagey had a good showing in his last outing. We'll talk about that more later. And I don't think we, well, I think we lost a lot on defense. So for the untrained eye and people who aren't as familiar, I get why we're not ranked as high. I get it. I get it. But I think it's, I'm going to be a motivation, motivation for the team. 45? Now, here's the thing, Brandon. Scott Frost goes from UCF to Nebraska. Nebraska, who won like four games a year before. And immediately, just because Scott Frost got there, they started out ranked that year. Are you serious? This team just went under 500. And just because they got this new coach, they were ranked to start the year off. And what happened? End of year, they stunk. For me, by bare minimum, look at Neil Brown. Look at his track record. First year, he wins this many games. Next year, he wins more. Each year, he keeps building. It only makes sense that even if you're not really paying attention, you would still kind of see that he's a good coach and it's trending upward. To not be in the top 45 means that he's not building, meaning that this program's not going forward. And that's completely wrong. So even though I get it, they are so wrong, and I hope that all these guys use this as motivation because I see a lot of teams, a lot of teams ahead of us that have no business, and I hope when they start deciding to, 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 to vote for Coach of the Year, they just remember where they ranked them to start the year. Number four, Deuce McBride looked blank in his summer league games. He looked like he belonged. Deuce McBride looked like he belonged. He looked like an NBAer. He looked comfortable. He even looked he looked more comfortable in his second game. Uh, he was able to score 14 points in his last outing. 
And he just looks fluid. He looks smooth. He doesn't look nervous. The moment doesn't look too big. The stage doesn't look too big. The man's ready for the bright lights of Broadway there in New York City. Deuce McBride looked like he belonged in his pre- in his summer league games. I was going to run right along the same lines. He looked comfortable, Brandon. I saw these some of these other Knicks players. I watched a couple other games, two summer league games. These guys are pressing because they're trying to make the team. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> they're not trying to win. They're trying to make the team. So sometimes you don't see that extra pass being made because they want to show off because they want certain points. I never saw McBride press. Look at his shooting percentage right now. That shows you that he's comfortable. He's playing his role. He's not doing too much, playing defense, and he's hustling. The man looks comfortable, and I think it's only up from here. Number five. Conference realignment will have blank impact on the 2021 football season. I say it will have no impact. You might think you'll get a little bump for the Texas game from the fans. I believe that. You might get a little bump even for those who are going to be there for the Oklahoma game. I get that. But overall, it doesn't matter. West Virginia has been proceeding as if this is not an issue for them. They've said, basically, we have been successful in every league we've been in overall, and we will continue to do so no matter where we go. So I don't think it will have any impact on the season. Neil Brown has his guys focused, and they will be focused on the task at hand. I agree with you. I think they're going to be completely focused. I think, like you said, they're going to be a little extra hungry for this Texas and Oklahoma game. So I was going to go with what your feelings were. But I honestly think there's going to be a significant impact because I'm not just talking about West Virginia. I'm talking about when these other teams play the other Big 12 teams, those teams are going to play a little bit stronger. Also, I'm interested to see how the refs call it. I'm interested in how much love they're going to give Texas and Oklahoma, these Big 12 referees, to these teams that are leaving the conference. I honestly think that there's going to be a significant um, impact or a significant uh, a pushback on Texas and Oklahoma because they're leaving, not just when West Virginia plays them, but when everybody pay, plays them. We used to be treated like the outsider. I believe Texas and Oklahoma this year will be the outsider, and that, that affects everything. That affects conference rankings, who's winning, who's losing, where we are, and how much it takes for us to win or be in the Big 12 championship. So I actually think it's going to be significant all this co- conference realignment because, you know, of the... uh the pushback. All right, yeah. Five questions, five answers. We hit them up. Up next, we're going to get into the roundup, but more specifically, we are going to talk about the depth charts and where we would rank these players if NCAA was coming out this year. How at you, boys. Stay tuned. Rack me, boys! Here we go. The football season is almost here. We're well under a month to go. Training camp has broke. And it's your boy, J.N. Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm here with my brother, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. Ready to get lit. Let's get to it. We also got our kid, our dude, Chris Hall from Mountaineer Maven, Sports Illustrated, West Virginia, and whatever else he wants to be called is in the the building. We're talking about rosters and the starting lineup and depth charts and all that good stuff. So we brought an expert to help us break it down. Y'all ready? We'll get this underway because we'll start with the most important uh, position. There was a little bit of a debate coming into last year about who the starting quarterback would be because of uh, 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 Deggie's 
performances, especially his last, you know, his last game. People were talking about Garrett Green. Where do we land on the starting quarterback, Chris? Oh, I think that one's easy. It's Jarrett Dagey. Uh, there's not a question about that at all. Um, just from listening to the coaches and the players, he's made a huge jump this offseason. He's changed his body from 20% fat down to 10%, and he didn't lose any weight. He maintained his weight, so he looks good. Uh, when he's throwing the ball, it's on target. Uh, he's leading the receivers, and those deep balls look really good. Uh, just literally got off the field a couple hours ago. He's dropping them in there on them deep balls uh, right over the shoulder. Uh, they're, they're pretty. Um, obviously, this isn't live action. It's just basically seven on seven. Want to see it in live action, uh, but he looks good. Uh, Winston Wright was talking about today how big of a leap he's made uh, just with his ball placement. No, I love it. And that was one of the biggest things that we had a question about, at least for I did. The deep ball, his arm strength. Can he c- complete a, a deep pass? Because last year we didn't see it. It seemed like it was either overthrown and most of the time underthrown. So it was good to hear that kind of stuff. Um, as for the number two on the depth chart, is there any real competition between Goose Crowder and Garrett Green? Uh, I don't see it. I, I think it's Garrett Green's. Uh, Crowder, he's still got a long way to go, uh, I think, really, in his development. Garrett Green's a little bit more assertive. Uh, when he's running the offense, obviously he likes to use his legs, uh, and he can make things make things happen with his legs, uh, and pretty much just extend plays. But uh, Garrett Green, really, he is the future right now. Of course, we just signed a good freshman quarterback. Uh, can't wait to see what he looks like on campus. But right now, Garrett Green's uh, well ahead of, of Crowder. So there you go. We got Deggy as a starting quarterback. We got Garrett Green as a backup quarterback. But here's here's the thing we're going to do. We're going to put a little twist on it. We know that the video game from EA Sports, NCAA football, does not come out. But I'm saying if it did this year, Chris, NCAA 22, Daggy's starting quarterback for West Virginia. What's your overall rating you would give Daggy? What do you, where do you think he would be rated by those people at EA Sports? I'm going to say an 83. I'm going to throw an 83 out there. Uh, okay. Preseason, because you got to think too, they haven't really seen him yet, basing it off last year. But I think they go with an 83, probably a little stronger if they were basing it off last year than maybe you would think. But I'm going to go 83. Okay. Braden, you, you got any feelings on it? I feel like 83 is a little low. I mean, that's scary to me. If he's an 83, we're in real trouble, to be honest. Um, but maybe that's where he is. I was thinking at least an 85, but that's just off the top of the dome. Got you. For me, my answer, and I swear I didn't change it, was 84. I said I was going to give him about an 82 throwing power because I don't feel like he throws the ball very well deep. I feel like his arm's a little weak. But I would give him about an 88 or to 89 throwing accuracy because I feel like 20 yards in and he's golden. I feel like he's pretty accurate. Once you go over that 20-yard mark is where things start getting a little shaky. So for me, I'm going to give him an 84 overall rating for Mr. Jared Deggy. Look at that synergy. You guys are right on board. Right, there you right go. The neck neck yours. All right, we're going to move to the next position, running back. And we're going to start from the get. From the get, we're going to hit the EA Sports right here because we know Letty, the baddest man in Morgantown, is the starting running back for West Virginia. Before we get into what he looks like in practice, give me your overall rating. you think he would be on the video game, Chris? Oh, 91. I'm going 91. Uh, with I promise that's where I was going. 91 was what I was going to say. 
All right. Anything? Any other breakdowns? That's all you got. You will just, just give me the overall number ninety one. I'll give him a high number on break tackles. Probably ninety five. I think what we haven't seen enough of him yet is his breakaway speed. I think that's really what brings his score down. Everything else is good. Heard today he has not dropped a pass in practice. During fall camp, X Reload said he has not dropped a ball in practice. So his catch number, his catch number is high. I just think that speed brings his total down. His catch number would not be high because he didn't catch no passes last no. year. And they don't do about they, they don't do this based on summer camp, son. But I think we're all I think we're all in line. I gave Letty a 90 overall. I gave him 90 speed. I gave him uh about 88 agility, 85 power, and just like you, I gave him 91 break tackle. I went 95. I went 95 break tackle. I know you went high. You went a little high for me. He's a little too small to get that high break tackle, but but ninety one is good. It's all about breaking tackles. It ain't about the size. It's true. Hey, that's true. That's very true. All right, to fill out the rest of the depth chart, who falls in line number two and number three for West Virginia? Uh, you got to go, Tony Mathis Jr. Uh, more than likely, he's going to be the number two. He's had a really strong spring, uh, really strong fall. Really liked what I saw out of him out of the spring. When you look at him, when you thought about him coming in, he was going to be a pounded in the tackles guy, but he's proven he can get outside the tackle. He has the speed to get outside the tackle. Just really got to see it. Haven't seen a lot of them, you know, obviously the his first couple of years in Morgantown. Haven't seen a lot of them yet. Uh, again, just kind of thought he was in the tackle guy, but interested to see what he has on the speed on the outside against Saul in the spring. Um, I think he can be versatile. He can do a little bit of uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. Be interesting to see him and both Letty on the field at the same time, how they kind of manage that. I'm sure they're going to move Letty out, you know, move, have put in motion to the outside and to the slot and stuff like that. But I, I like him Does, at three. Um, uh, now his name's slipping me, but. Uh, Sparrow? No, the new freshman is Justin, Justin Johnson. Johnson. Yes. Um, yeah. He may end up taking that three spot. They really liked what he's see, seen out of him so far. Obviously, he was very talented, and he's a do-it-all running back. Um, he might end up taking that three spot, and probably going in, I'd say going into the season, it's going to really be him and Sparrow at that three, and maybe whoever delivers early uh, may get more of that reps in the three spot. Uh, but it is crucial because they're looking at ways to maybe – take the load off Letty. Obviously, the receivers on our side can do that, but if you can get some good, you know, 10, 10 out of Mathis and maybe, you know, a few out of Sparrow and maybe in the passing game, uh, it would definitely take a huge load off because he was one of, the, one of the top players, I think, in the country that had the most touches. What happened? Um, what's happening with Jalen Anderson? I know he's not on campus. I know there's some clearinghouse stuff going on anymore uh, about that. The young running back? No, they have not said anything else about it. Uh, It's just mainly uh, waiting for him to clear. So, um, obviously, they're just wrapped up the first week of fall camp, still not on campus yet. So, uh, he's obviously way behind uh, all the other freshmen that came in in June. Okay. Okay. So, it's on to the receiving core that we have. Brandon, give me your number one receiver on on the depth chart, you believe, for the West Virginia Mountaineers this year. Winston, Jet Life, Showtime, right? Whatever you want to call him, he's my number one receiver. Okay, he looks cool. like he's going to start. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, he, go looks ahead. Like he looks like he's going to start. He's got the speed to take the top off of defense, and he's already proven in games he can do it. He did it at Oklahoma State last year. He did it against Baylor with a kickoff return. He's got that big play explosion. So I, I'm looking for Winston Wright to be the number one guy. All right. So, so Chris, go, go through the receiving core, the starting receiving core for us. Uh, left side. 
You got Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, we'll just say all every receiver's had drop issues, so we'll just kind of skip it. We'll just do that as that broad stroke. No, no, no. We we gonna get to Mr. Wheaton <laughs> in the NCAA rating here in a second, but go ahead. <laughs> you got Wheaton on the outside on your left. Um, looking like Sean Ryan on the right side. Uh, he's really put on some weight. Looks good. Um, and really he's gotten better, I think, at tracking the ball and high-pointing the ball, something that he kind of struggled with, I feel like, in his first two years. And then in the middle, Winston. Winston Wright, I th- I'm with Brandon on this. I think he, going into the year, he's the guy. He's the guy that can get you eight to ten catches a game and a hundred and hundred and some change in yards, uh, without a doubt. Uh, he's gotten bigger. He's gotten faster, which is hard to believe. Uh, but he's been tough in the middle. I think he's going to be – I really do believe he's going to be Daggy's safety valve. Absolutely. He's going to get open, and and every time things break down, you're going to see the ball in Winston Wright's hands. All right, so give me the backup receivers because that's the thing. We're, we're deep at receiver this year. Yeah, and it's really – I don't think that they really know, <laughs> to be honest. It's still in the work because you got Reese Smith. If you think about him as a freshman last year, uh, he played some meaningful snaps, and he was on the field in some key situations. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he winds up. Sam James obviously had a nice freshman year, set the freshman record uh, in yards receiving for a freshman. Um, he lost his confidence. I think it's kind of been known that he lost his confidence, never really got it back last year either. Uh, but he's been in the fold, running with the ones and the twos. So he's definitely in the mix. And I think if you're looking at another young guy, Kevin Prather, uh, he's got a lot to learn uh, still, still very raw. Uh, but he's a guy late in the season to come on. And then uh, Sam Brown, same thing. You know, obviously COVID year last year, missed a lot being a freshman, still kind of, you can say, freshman 1A season for him. Uh, but he's a guy that's in the mix as well. Still got to learn a lot of the nuance of how the programs run. But he's definitely a guy that's in the mix. Saw him at times, just make some really good plays last year. So uh, receivers, it's all about consistency. We've all seen that you can do one, one or two, uh, games that they have some big plays, but got to do it on a more consistent basis. Absolutely. So there we have the receiving group. Now for the EA Sports 22 update. We're going to do Bryce Ford Wheaton on the video game. Chris, you always go first, man. What are you? What are you? What are you giving him? What's what's his uh, rankings? I might be doing him dirty, but I'm going him a 77. I'm going – that's probably low for him. But, again, it's all about consistency. He has that playmaking ability, but it's been very – I feel like it's been way more few and far between uh, than than he's actually capable of doing. All right. All right, Brandon, you got any feeling? I feel like 77 is a slap in the face. I hope Bryce Ford is here to see you We got to see it. I got to see it. You, it's, I, know. I'm, I feel like I got to see it too, but I feel like he's got the chance to be a real stud at wideout for us. Um, I would give him an 84. Yeah, and no, that- what brings him down is his catchability. He's big, he's fast, but his, and he's got a great catching radius, but he doesn't catch the ball consistently yet. So that's what brings him down. To me, he's an 83-84. Yeah, man, he's so strong for me. I think he would have high like to beat the press, for a receiver to beat the press on the game. I'd give him about an 85 overall. I'd give him a 91 speed, you know, 88 agility. But once you once again, I can't give you more than a 76 catch. Because on the game, that might, be I don't hear, that might be high. Look, he's had some <laughs> bad drops. It's not a secret. Yeah, it's not like he's dropping the ball. And it could apply to a lot of them. I mean, they've been wide open at times and dropped it. It's and, been a, and I did, 
and I didn't say project what you think they'll be this year. You know the video go- game goes by what you did it last year. Better as season goes on. Speaking <laughs> of final rankings to see if they if they moved up or down. There you go. There you go. If he, if they call fire and gain a few points, real quick, we're just go off the cuff real quick. Sam James, what's, what kind of speed you giving him on the game? Sam James, I think he has to be a ninety six. Ninety six. Okay, he's, got he's up there. I I went ninety four. I went ninety four. Mine. Winston, Winston Wright. He's ninety eight. He's a ninety eight. I don't know if I can go to the full ninety nine for anybody, but he's up there. Do you think West? You think Winston's faster than Sam James? Yeah, I think he's. I'm talking about sprint for forty speed. Forty speed. Winston, one hundred percent. Because he me me I gave Winston ninety two speed, but I gave him incredible acceleration. Yeah. I think he's more quick. He might be a little bit more quick and a little bit more agile than he is just pure burner. That's just my two cents. We'll have to find out, Camp, who who they all say is the fastest. Yeah, Lana Brunt. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's important. That's important. But let's get to the tight ends. Give me the starting tight end, the backup tight ends. Uh, Michael Laughlin's a starter as of now. Uh, he's in a walking boot. Uh, I think they plan on having him in the walking boot through fall through the second week of fall camp. So all of next week he'll probably still be out. Uh, Coach Brown said that, that he's gotten plenty of reps his first two years, kind of gotten beat up. There's a super being super cautious with this. There's no reason to rush him. So he's he's going to be the starter, and I expect, you know, how many times we waited for tight end to actually do something in Morgantown. They say they're going to use him. I think he's made some great plays. I think he should get some more opportunities. Wouldn't be surprised if he does. Behind him's TJ Banks, and then you can probably go uh, Finley at third. Uh, that's kind of a mix after Banks, but. O'Loughlin Banks gotcha. one and two, uh, both really, really have a high ceiling. I've heard it, some good things about Victor Wickstrom's frame and what he's been doing in camp. Huge, so far. huge. Still a long way to go uh, for him. Very long way to go. Uh, but uh, that's that's a guy. That he it'll be interesting. He's going to be interesting. He's going to be fun to watch once he gets his once he gets his time. When his time comes, he's going to be really fun. All right, let's get to the offensive lineman. Wait, we're not giving rankings? Did you, did you want to give rankings? Oh, Go we, ahead. We can do O'Loughlin. I like O'Loughlin going in, and he's shown that he, he can catch. He's shown he can split out. He's shown he can lay down. I'm going to go he's an 88 tight end. 88. Let me tell you right now, that's way too high. And and, and I'm not hating on O'Loughlin. I'm not saying he didn't do good things last year. I'm just saying he didn't do enough on the field for people to view to see that there's no way they're giving him an 88 lack of on the video. Opportunities, the only reason, Jeremy, lack of they, opportunity. 0%. I didn't come up with a rating because I pretty much did the skill positions. Um, I think that, you know, I think both of them would have great, you know, great run blocking um, numbers, but they didn't really, they weren't really featured in the passing game last year. We didn't get to see a whole lot of that. So um, they'd be more of your big laboring run blocking tight ends on the game, I feel. I got to be honest, Jeremy. You're giving a lot of low ratings, a lot of low ratings. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is, in the in the segment five on it, you had the nerve to be to say that we were ranked too low. According to your rankings, we only go in four games this year. Hold up. First of all, I gave what an 84 to Deggy. I gave a 90 to Letty. I gave an 85 to Wheaton. Um, but I but we do. I talked about the speed that we have at receiver. Our offensive line, I feel, will be like at eighty fives all the way across the board. Like it's it's pretty. You know what I mean? Like I think we have a decent offense. I think we have a solid offense, especially when you have that speed at receiver and you know in video games you can, especially with the running back who can break tackles like that. But I think our power is on the defense, like it was last year. But right. um, just saying, just saying. 
So let's get to that O-line, the offensive line, the hog mollies. Give me the starting five from center to guard to tackle. Uh, we'll start left tackle, go right. You got Brandon Yates at the left side, James Gamitter, left guard, uh, Zach Frazier, center. Uh, right guard's interesting. I think ultimately it'll be Doug Nestor, but wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Wright got to start. Um, he had a really good spring. A really, really good spring. It surprised the coaching staff how well of a spring that he had. Had a great winter workout. Um, and he's been right there in the mix uh, with the starters, with Doug Nestor. Um, obviously, Nestor is behind the eight ball, uh, trans- transferring in from Virginia Tech, learning everything in spring, but he's really starting to grasp it. So I think ultimately he'll win that one out. And then on the right side, uh, John Hughes. Now I'm going to throw this at you because we, have, we haven't got to my highest ranking Mountaineer yet. And it's the center, Zach Frazier, with the 93 wow. overall. If, wow. if the Big yeah, 12 he's, he's media stuck. will recognize it, he'll be, he should be first-team All-Big 12 at the end of the year. Zach right. Frazier, a 93 overall, leads all numbers. You definitely got me on that one. He was a stud. He, he's he's yeah. tough. He's I'll, really – and he's gotten bigger. And he was only a freshman last year and started. That, that kid, he's, he's talented, to say the least. That's big time numbers. And then you got, like I said, then you got all these other linemen around them. Maybe is is is, is it a, a a unit a strength for West Virginia this year? Absolutely. Uh, I actually feel like they actually have some depth this year, which is something that they didn't have the first two years. And really, if you look at the how big of a jump they made last year, I think it's it's crazy to see, and it really does depend on the passing game to kind of open it up. But they've gotten bigger, faster, more agile. Uh, they, you know, they pull, they get out in screens. I mean, you get four or five of those guys running out in front of Letty Brown on a screen. Uh, it's dangerous. Uh, it's real dangerous. That's a big group of guys. And it finally feels like that they have power five offensive line. They're not quite there yet, but at least when you stand to them, stand next to them, you realize how big they are. And that's pretty much the whole team. I've definitely been there in years, you know, previous years and stood next to guys. I'm 6'2 and wondering how are they on the field? How are you not broken after the game? They were little. I don't see that at anyone outside of specialists. Uh, you don't really see that out of anybody on the field this year. I got a quick question about a rumor. Is it true there was a fight led by Doug Nestor and Dante Stills in camp recently? I don't know. That could be rumor, but I will say this that's, that stuff happens a lot. I don't think that's a secret that that stuff happens, that doesn't happen, but that happens. Coaches will even tell I, players to egg that on. I, I love yeah. it. I love fighting camp. Are you kidding would, me? Especially between the big nasty. And it would make sense, too, because if there's one thing Doug Nestor la- lacks, it's a mean streak. And try, maybe trying to, you know, they might be trying to goad him a little bit and get him fired up, get a little bigger chip on his shoulder. He did say that Virginia Tech game was circled. Uh, maybe that's the game that he kind of breaks out. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they told Dante to go, you know, egg him on, pick a little, get a little shoving match going on. Nothing, nothing sinister by any means. Now that's what happens when competition comes. All right, so we're going to get to this defense. Brandon's going to leave this section. Here's the only thing, though. I'm going to have to bounce on y'all, but I do. I do want to get to some of the big names, and I'm sorry to do this, but NCAA, man, on defense, do you have any EA Sports players that you want to give me their rankings? I got Dante Stills. I think uh, Dante, you want a Dante? I'll give him 
this might be a slam to Dante too, but 88. And I, I feel bad giving him 88 because every year outside of one game, he got at least one tackle for loss. Comes down to consistency, though. He wasn't dominant. To get in that nine, you got to be a little bit more dominant. Um, it, some of that had to do with scheme, but I, I'm going to give him an 88. I hear what you're saying. I also see Brandon's face as you say that. <laughs> see, see, Chris Chris Hall better have the same record or worse record than I do. Him giving everybody <laughs> low ball numbers. Too. That too too low. He sure is. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm giving him. Low. I'm giving him a 91, not because I don't think he could be better, but because of exactly what you said. He he didn't he wasn't dominant in that capacity last year. Now, I granted, I think he's worked his butt off. He's had a great summer, and you can see it coming. That's the thing. He's he was a big time four star recruit for a reason, and you can see it starting to come on during the year. So I give him a 91. That may be too low, but I gave him a 91. Um, the the shed block would be high for me. His power inside, because when the man wants to go through you on the goal line or fourth and one, he's going through you. So yeah, I had I had him about a ninety-one. Anybody else on the defense you want to talk about that you love that 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 you want to give a rating? Scotty, Josh Chandler, Scotty Young is the guy. I think you know everyone's wondering what you know, how they're going to replace Ty Key. He's not Ty Key by any means. Not saying that, but he's extremely talented. I think by the end of the year, everyone's going to say how are we going to replace. You know, Scotty Young, Scotty Young. Yeah, yeah, like he's the guy. He, he's definitely going to make some plays. Um, I think he's going to be he's a, like Tyke. He's going to be fun to watch, exciting to watch. I think you rank him up there as a safety, speed, everything, the way he ball pursuit. I'll even go a little. Maybe this high for him, but I've really liked what I saw him out of spring and so far as year. I'm going to go 90 for Scotty Young. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Brandon always says I give uh, too many nicknames. So his name's Scotty Young. I'm not going, I am not right now going to say S. Yeezy because he hasn't earned that yet. <laughs> but, my <laughs> tech game, my oh, tech game. But what it happens, I got that patented S. Yeezy. <sighs> anyway, Brandon, go ahead, hit him up. Y'all get with it for uh, the defensive starters and the rest, rest of the depth charts. All right. So we just talked about Dante Stills and we talked about his prowess on the defensive line. Chris, who else are we looking at on that defensive line? I think the biggest the biggest name outside of Dante is Akeem Mesador. Uh, great year last year. Uh, was big. For, I mean, think about how young he was and how big he was and how dominant he was at the time. Made it look really easy. Uh, he gets moved to the middle, taking Darius' spot. Uh, talked to him recently. He says he basically feels like he can do a lot of what D- Darius did last year. His biggest question really going into the season is can he shed those double teams? Uh, can he make them? Can he even draw the double team? Uh, which I assume he's going to. Um, and then you got Taj Austin that's going to fill in his spot. He was hurt last year, out for the year. That's why Akeem Mesador played. Um, he looks good. They all look bigger. We talked, I know we talked Dante, but he looks a lot bigger. Um, didn't really gain a lot of weight, but he just changed his body. I don't know if he got taller. He looks taller. Maybe it's just been two years since standing beside him. But Taz Austin looks really good. And when you kind of look behind those guys, that's where you kind of start to – that's where they're trying to separate uh, heading in this week full pad. It's really interesting. Jordan Jefferson played a lot as a freshman, didn't really play last year, just mainly due uh, to how they were schematically. And you got Sean Martin, sophomore, uh, the kid out of the blue field behind Austin. And then uh, – Daryl Middleton, uh, the Tennessee transfer, probably going to play there, maybe more behind Dante. Uh, but really, those guys are making them so versatile that you may see Taj Austin line up over at nose and Akeem back over his spot. So 
uh, the top three are who they are. Uh, everybody else behind that they've got the next two weeks kind of pretty much separate themselves at this point. What's the word on Jalen Thornton, a legacy player for us? Uh, not a lot out of him um, early. I mean, we'll see kind of when, where we're at with him. Uh, once they get on the pad yet, but he hasn't been a name that's been popped up yet. Still very young, uh, but he is. But he has been rotated uh, up up through uh, the depth chart. Uh, just not you know as frequent as you want. But they have been doing split practices as well. So uh, be interesting. I think he's still a year or two away before you might start seeing him uh, on the field more. All right, let's move to linebackers. Time to talk linebackers. Vandarius Cohen is the guy who I think about when I think about our linebackers playing that bandit position listed as possibly a starter. We know depth charts aren't solidified yet. What do you make of the linebacking core? Uh, it's just like the defensive line, versatile, very versatile group. I mean, you got Josh Chandler Samita moving over from Will to Middle, so he knows how to play both of those. You got X3 Low uh, that's going to slide into that Will linebacker. And you mentioned VD Vandarius Cohen. Um, that kid's a beast. Uh, that, what I like, I've I think everyone's kind of been waiting on him uh, to kind of bust. I mean, he was an Alabama commit, he, highly recruited kid. Uh, I think what I like to see about out of him so much this year is really how engaged he is in practice, um, something that you didn't see the first year. Obviously, it was different under Neil Brown that first year. Everyone was kind of trying to learn their way, so he wasn't really alone, but he's so much more engaged with just the whole aspect of practice, definitely having fun. So. I think, you know, if you look back at last year, he was playing well until he got hurt. So if he can stay healthy, uh, that that may be your guy, but you also have to look at um, Linnell Carr uh, in that spot. And they're definitely trying out some younger guys. they got plenty of guys um, that they brought in, that the, the body type that they want, that kind of nickel hybrid linebacker position. But the X3, that top three, again, it's just behind those guys. It's just a whole bunch of mix, really, in every level. So who are we ranking EA Sports style over here? Man, I'd love to do Vendarius high, but it hasn't proven yet. I think you have to, the injury bug number would have to be low. But I think, you, I think you could put him with his speed, his size, and everything. I think I'd probably go 83. I think Josh Chandler, you can go higher. Uh, that kid's been around for a while, knows his football. I think you can go a lot higher with Josh. I think you can go about 89. I, I'd probably even go maybe 90 with Josh. And then X3 low, uh, first year where he'd really – he played a lot of snaps. But I think where they would have him is probably around 86, 85 with plenty of chance to move up. I was thinking Josh Chandler-Sumito at 88, Van Darius at 85 for the reasons you mentioned. Uh, but I like your numbers. They sound like good numbers. Yeah, that's a solid group. I think versatility, if, if I remember correctly, it's been so long and say if you move them around uh, position, their their ratings would fall. But I think if yeah. you move those guys around that three, the, the ratings wouldn't really drop. Yeah, you're right. They did make a difference where you put them, where you line them up, what position you put them at. So it's a it's an interesting perspective. Uh, now we're moving on to the secondary. This is a question mark because of the loss of Drayshawn Miller and Tyke Smith. Um, both starters, Tyke all-American caliber, but who do we have? What do we have with Nick Troy Fortune having one side? What do we got on the other side as far as the corner is concerned? What do we have as far as the safeties are concerned? Safeties, I think we're locked up. I think Scotty Young, I already mentioned him. I think he's he's fine. He solidified that spot. He's He played in the bowl game, played really well in spring, really plays downhill. He plays a lot like Tyke, just not Tyke. No one's going to be Tyke. But he's, he's, probably, he's got more length. 
uh, than Ty Key, so that's probably going to be a bigger advantage for that defense. And then obviously Alonzo Adai uh, as well. I mean, in that back end on the free safety, uh, same thing. Uh, you got the other. You got cat safety, Sean Mahone, and then the strong safety. I guess is I, I don't know if that's what they call it. But your strong safety. I'm looking at Kerry Martin Jr. Uh, possibly to take over that spot. Uh, that's a big spot. He played really well. I obviously sat out last year with COVID. Uh, he chose to set out um, because of COVID. But I think Kerry Martin, and if you're looking at Nick Troy, I think he's got that top corner spot. But if you're looking at the other side, the guy that's really been playing up there a lot, I know you hear Daryl Porter Jr. a lot, but uh, Jackie Matthews, uh, he's really – He's a little bulldog out there. He likes to hit people. <laughs> he likes to put, get in the face. Uh, I think he'll, he'll – and if you kind of think of what the staff does, what Neil Brown the staff does, uh, they like to lean on guys that's played a lot of football first uh, and let the younger guys kind of make their way. So I wouldn't be surprised at all, Jackie Matthews. I don't think Daryl Porter Jr. – although he'll be in the mix. And um, I can't think that – is it Tom uh, Woodson, uh, the transfer that came yeah. in? Uh, he, woods, he's woods. in woods, woods, woods. He's in the mix as well, but I, I think it's Jackie Matthews to lose at this point. All right. Now it moves us. Well, what are we going to rank our guys? Like where we get, where we EA sports style NCAA 2022, where are we ranking these guys? Out of, out of the whole secondary, I think Scotty Young gets the highest, but I don't know. I like Alonzo die up there as well, around 90, 91. High IQ guy, knows where everything is, watches, studies film. Uh, he may not be the fastest, may not be the biggest, but he knows where to be, and that that's huge. That's why he's been made some big plays last year. I also like Nick Troy Fortune. Uh, high. He's... He's got thrown in a fire as a freshman, had some bad beats as a freshman, lost his confidence a little bit, but he built it back up. Uh, I thought he had played solid last year, so I'd give him high 80s, 87, 88. Again, another another kid that can move up uh, in it. Sounds good. Well, this moves us to the specialist. Where are we at punting and kicking? I heard it was a mixed bag as far as kicking was concerned, as far as field goals are, are concerned uh, today, but what do you see with the specialist? They need. They have a lot of room for improvement. Um, that's not. I would say going in. That's not still your strongest. You know, it's not your strongest area. Uh, of course, Staley's coming off a, a knee injury. Saw him kick today. Uh, looked okay, but yeah, obviously missed one in the pressure situation. They do a thing where, you know, th- they'll have a field goal unit up closer and the next unit behind them. And as soon as the first one goes, the next one kicks. So they may do it quick where they kind of rush them out there. Um, but they're both lined up on the field. But I would still say that's an area of big concern. Um, I know Neil really hasn't talked a lot about it, but just from what I've seen, I think that's still an area where you want to get a score touchdowns. You don't want to leave it in the field goal kicker's hands. What about punting? How's Sumter look? Punting? Uh, not bad. Um, again, I think that's still a lot of area for improvement. Haven't seen a lot of the punter. I will say accuracy is really impressive, uh, just how they're able to really just kind of put the ball where they want for the most part. But I think Sumter will be fine. I think that his biggest problem last year was just consistency. It seems like that's the word that we always use this time of year. But uh, if he can just get more consistent kicks, everything else, his accuracy, his pins, his pinning inside the 20 when he gets those opportunities he's fine he's, he's actually gotten really he's probably gotten better at it Sumter says he wants to be the Owen Schmidt of punting I saw that I saw so, that. that's interesting well if you think about the video his commitment video of rolling down in the canoe or the kayak down the yeah. on that river with country roads 
He's working his awesome. way up there. The guy's he's, got great media skills, so he's already ready for that. Like, he just he's the rest of it taken care of. He's working on it. Make sure the main thing's the main thing. All right. Well, that sounds good to me, man. Thank you for joining us today. You got a lot of insight. Gave us a lot of insight. Um, talked about some things that maybe you don't see all the time or hear all the time. It was good to actually have it vocalized where we are as a team, where these players are on EA Sports 2. That was fun. Great idea by Jeremy. Good job by you jumping in. Uh, Chris, plug your stuff. Tell us where we can find you in your articles. Uh, you can find me at WV Hallbilly, H-A-L-L-B-I-L-L-Y. And they took and Twitter took down our account. So now it's at S-I on, or at WVU on S-I. At WVU on, on S-I. S-I. Yep. All That's right. So if you want to read Same an article, on Facebook. If you want to read an article about West Virginia University, they pump them out constantly. Check those guys out. West Virginia Hallbilly, WV Hallbilly. Chris Hall, thank you for joining the Raspy Voice Kids today. Love it. Glad to be back. Sports Social Podcast Network.